Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central, Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're going to give you the world if you can give me 90 minutes. We'll be going, for example, first of all, to southern France. Ken Timmerman standing by. We'll go to other areas of the world as well as we get the reports from our broadcast partners looking at current events in light of biblical prophecy. And this is not what you hear on mainstream media. No, we tell the truth. We're truth tellers here on Prophecy Today. It's key that you have an opportunity each week to hear the truth told about these geopolitical events. This is a special edition of Prophecy Today. Happy birthday, America. I know this is July 3rd, but July 4th tomorrow, the big celebration, 245 years old, America. I want to tell you this, it's not my grandmother's America, and basically not my America when I was quite younger. Uh, but Ken, it is still America, and we still have something to rejoice over and be happy about the birthday, don't we? Jimmy, God bless this country and God bless the freedoms that we still are able to enjoy. But, you know, America is about character. We're not a nation state the way France or Germany is. We are a nation of an idea, of an idea about freedom. So being American and our birthday, the 4th of July, is about our ability still to demand truth from those who govern us, accountability from those who govern us. It's a duty and a responsibility, not just a pleasure. And happy birthday to America. We're going to have some hot dogs and hamburgers, I guess, on Sunday afternoon after church. I'm sure everybody's probably going to do that. Well, there's another birthday that is taking place right now, the 100th birthday of the Chinese Communist Party. And the president of Red China making the statement in a speech on that anniversary that China is not going to be oppressed. That's somewhat of a warning to the rest of the world, isn't it, Ken? Uh, it, it very definitely is. And the Chinese are making a very big deal of this 100th anniversary, not of the beginning of Red China in 1949, but the creation of the Chinese Communist Party in 1921. That's very significant in itself. They see that as the foundation of their current regime, uh, not the revolution in 1941 by itself. The Chinese Communist Party has attempted to completely uh, revolutionize the country. They, when they wished to, they abolished the family. They prohibited people from having children. They sent young intellectuals to work camps during the Cultural Revolution. They have remodeled the country, or to use a phrase from Barack Obama, they profoundly transformed the nature of Chinese society. And they want to remind people today that they're continuing to do that and that the Chinese Communist Party is what they as Chinese owe allegiance to, not even their Chinese nationality. They owe allegiance to the party. It's a very dangerous world there. Uh, it's a totalitarian state, and it's something that we really need to come to grips with. China is not just another country. They are not Belgium along the South China Sea. Very interesting comments from you, Ken. Well, something unbelievable happening, seemingly unbelievable, from the White House, Joe Biden giving the order for U.S. precision attack on pro-Iranian militia. 
both there in Syria and Iraq. That's a bit strange. First military action he's called for, I think, isn't it, Ken? Well, well, it is. There are two attacks this past week. There was one actually at the end of February that wasn't given a lot of attention. But I think what Biden is trying to do is to say, look, I'm not going to be a pushover. I'm not going to let the Iranians walk all over us. I'm not going to let them threaten our embassy in Baghdad or to threaten our troops, those that remain in Syria. Look, this was a small precision attack. I think there were seven bombs dropped by U.S. F-15 and F-16 aircrafts in the first of these attacks. The Israelis have conducted 200 airstrikes over the past couple of years. So this was really a pinprick strike against Iranian-backed militias that we know, we know, uh, have been launching drones and rockets against U.S. forces both inside Iraq and in Syria. So, yes, I guess it was a bit of a pleasant surprise, but uh, I don't know how much resolve is truly behind this and how much of it is really just a publicity stunt. That's my thought exactly. Meanwhile, however, the Iranian deal soon to be resuscitated. That's the headline. Is it true? Well, what many analysts are saying is that the Biden administration, along with the Iranians, along with the at least the current Rouhani administration, and he's leaving in two weeks, want to get this deal inked and finished before the new president comes in. I think this is just hype. Uh, I could very well be proven wrong, and we could see a deal next week. The only thing blocking a deal at this point is the United States. Biden has not wanted to appear as too much of a pushover. But look, he has already given in to many of the Iranian demands. He has released sanctions on a number of Iranian institutions, including the Revolutionary Guards. He has agreed not to put Iran's missile programs on the table, which is, has long been a sticking point and long been uh, the insistence of the U.S. security establishment, you know, the Pentagon and, and our intelligence agencies. So, you know, we have really given in to just about everything the Iranians want anyway. We'll have to see. This is, it's a matter of timing. It's a matter of uh, appearances, really. Raisi, the new Iranian president, is trying to show himself as more hardline than the current Iranian president, as tougher, as harder on America, and somebody who would strike a tougher deal. So a lot of this is political bluffing that we're seeing right now. You know, as I look into those tea leaves, Jimmy, I just see a murky mess. And that's basically what Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina, is saying. He made a statement this week that the Iranians are playing President Biden like a fiddle. I mean, that's an interesting comment. Well, well, that's right. And, and that's, that's essentially what I'm saying. I think they have played Biden. They have won concessions from him. They've waived this threat of a hardline president coming in. Oh, my gosh, you'd better make a deal now before it gets worse when Raisi takes over in the middle of August. That's why I say it's a real muddle right now. When the deal is completed, to, to my mind, doesn't make much difference. It will include major concessions by the United States. It will include lifting sanctions on Iranian murderous organizations and individuals. Raisi himself is a mass murderer. He was involved in the slaughter of over 10,000 prisoners in 1988 and continues to be engaged and to boast of his engagement in executing prisoners of conscience who have demonstrated in 2019 just recently. So, uh, look, 
I, I think we're headed towards a deal that will bring the Iranian regime back into commerce, will put Iranian oil back onto the market, and that will ultimately weaken the United States and threaten the state of Israel. And that's of concern to Israel. They are even making preparations for a preemptive strike against Iran and trying to shut down the possibility of Iran coming together with the Biden administration so that they can put together a nuclear weapon of mass destruction. Well, let me change the regions of the world just a moment. NATO there in the Black Sea with the Ukraine, they're involved in a dual exercise entitled Sea Breeze. And some are saying that this could really spark a conflict with Russia there in the Black Sea. You think that is a viable possibility? Well, what we've been seeing with NATO and Ukraine and Russia is a gradual ratcheting up of tensions. Last week, a British warship was threatened uh, as it tried to sail off the coast of Crimea in international waters. Remember, Crimea is that peninsula in the southern part of Ukraine, which Russia occupied uh, a number of years ago. So this is the 24th year, I believe, that NATO has held this exercise with Ukraine. But now there are new NATO partners, including Romania and Bulgaria. And you have the Republic of Georgia and Ukraine, which are not NATO members, but aspiring NATO members, who are also part of this exercise. And they have declared quite openly that Russia is the target. So this is something I can tell you the Russian military is looking at very closely. I don't expect that they are going to get in the way of a NATO military exercise itself. But what it means is that there is heightened tension in the region. The Russians are watching. We are watching the Russians. And the Ukrainians are there with the matches trying to set the fire. I understand that uh, with the celebration there in China circling back around to China, that they arrested about 1,000 Christians. Now, they're called Christians. I read a bit about them. They don't seem like Bible-believing, born-again Christians. Talk to us about this. Well, that's right. I mean, I've, I've read about this group as well. They're called the Church of Almighty God. They claim that uh, Jesus Christ has been reincarnated in, in a person living in the United States. So uh, I think that puts them way, way, way out of any Christian mainstream or Orthodox belief. But they are being persecuted because the Chinese regime sees them as Christians. And I think that is really the main point. We might have problems with their beliefs, but the Chinese regime has problems with Christians, period. Anybody who identifies himself as a Christian is an enemy of the Chinese state in the eyes of the Chinese state. And I think that's really the significance of this. And the way that they crack down on Falun Gong and others who hold beliefs that are not in sync with the Chinese Communist Party, that's what they are doing with this group as well. And Bashley, they just moved forward to go after this group that refers to themselves as Christians. But real Christians are going to be having to deal with the Chinese Communist Party as well, probably not too far down the line. Ken Timmerman, the man who covers geopolitical activities for us, always there on the spot, the wordsmith himself, being able to give us the exact description of what's happening in the geopolitical world. Ken, thank you so much. Have a great 4th of July weekend. I know you're in France, but I'm sure you'll celebrate America anyway, and we'll talk again next week. We will be doing indeed, Jimmy. God bless. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we go to David Dolan. He has a Middle East News update. It's all ahead right here 
on Prophecy Today. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy Student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. I want to remind you that I do have a website. It's prophecytoday.com. This is a full-service website. It will assist you in your study of Bible prophecy. For example, I have a prophecy bookstore with a number of materials that will help you as you study through the prophetic passages of God's Word. I have a number of books, DVD documentaries, and five-hour audio series on the subject of Bible prophecy. I have a prophecy Q&A section, and then I list the top 10 news stories on a daily basis. These are news stories that seemingly are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And I will give you a prophetic perspective on those news stories. That website that you should bookmark is prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central Chattanooga, Tennessee. We promised that David Dolan would come with his Middle East News update. Now, this is a key report for those of us who are students of Bible prophecy. And we have entitled the program today, Happy Birthday, America. I know we're on the 3rd, but tomorrow, the 4th of July, 245 years old. And David, as I go to you for your Middle East News update, I know because of your journalistic activities over the many, many years, and especially there in the Middle East, you've lived outside of America. However, you do consider America your home, do you not? I do, Jimmy, yes, and uh, happy 4th to you and our listeners in America. Although, like you said, I've lived a majority of my life outside of the country. From age 24, I moved to Israel and uh, stayed in the Middle East until just recently. And I do go back quite often to Israel, but certainly I'm based now in the States, and it is my home country, and uh, glad that it's made it uh, thus far. A lot of problems, but uh, a lot of people that believe in God and are praying as well. So we got to keep the good and the bad in mind. Absolutely. Happy birthday, America, however it may well be today. Well, let's go back to the country you chose to be a journalist in, Israel. Report coming out that the Muslim Brotherhood is inside the Israeli government. What can you tell us? 
Well, the four-man Arab party that is a part of the coalition is indeed a part of the Islamic fundamentalist movement, although, as I've mentioned before, the leader is not that hardcore in his own personal views. He comes from a mixed Arab village in the north that has a lot of Christians in it, a lot of Druze in it, and Muslims. He's a of course, part of the Muslim uh, portion of that. But some of the other members and supporters of his party are fairly radical. But the point is, is they are, were birthed out of the Muslim Brotherhood movement that uh, comes out of Egypt originally. Hamas was born out of that movement. So this is, in a sense, an Israeli political party that's a sister to Hamas and to uh, the more radical Muslim fundamentalists in Egypt and Jordan and elsewhere. So that is very worrisome. And again, Jimmy, one of the things that may eventually break up the government, because, of course, Naftali Bennett, the prime minister, is the head of a small but very right-wing religious Zionist nationalistic party, so the opposite of the Ra'am party, it's called the four-man Arab party. So we'll see if they can all stick together. But there's a lot of discomfort and Benjamin Netanyahu continues to work very hard to break apart the new government. I know, David, that uh, Reuven Rivlin, who is president of Israel, he has had that position for the seven-year term they are able to be a part of. He was invited by the White House and Joe Biden to visit in the last days before he gave over his position to the next president of Israel. And Biden told him there will be no nuclear-powered Iran on his watch. Now, that's good news, but I'm not sure if it's absolutely true or not. Well, we'll have to see what happens. The uh, talks are continuing in Geneva over the nuclear deal, the resumption of the nuclear deal. The Biden administration is still saying it wants to see that happen. The Iranians aren't showing that they're very eager to have that happen. They continue to enrich uranium far beyond what the accord uh, called for. They're demanding that all sanctions be lifted by the United States. Biden says that won't happen. And, of course, the White House has said, as the Secretary of State Blinken has said, that the U.S. will also not allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon, and that's been restated, as we talked about last week, by Israel's new government, all of its leaders saying that. So pretty much this is the, the line, and the Israelis again reiterating that if they had to take military action, they would do so. They'll do what they consider to be in their best interest, whether or not anybody else supports them or desires it to happen, they have to look out for their own safety and security. And after all, Iran is saying not only that we may attack you, but that we will attack you and we will annihilate the state of Israel from the face of the earth. So that's obviously something the Israelis aren't just going to sit around and wait for. And at the same time, Israeli President Rivlin had a meeting with Mahmoud Abbas, president of the Palestinian Authority, He made a very interesting statement, Rivlin saying to Abbas, Israel will exist forever. Now, that's an absolute because God's word says it, but it was an interesting statement to the head of the Palestinian Authority, wasn't it? Well, it was, and it's something that pretty much, again, all Israeli leaders have said, and it's obvious that they want to keep their country Uh, one of the oldest nations on earth, after all. We're not talking about something that was just created out of thin air in 1948. 
It was the Jewish people scattered from their ancient homeland going back to that homeland and reestablishing a state there, a very successful state. And Abbas and the, the others that are fighting against that are, in essence, fighting against God ultimately, because, of course, the Bible says that this was predicted, foretold that the Jews would return rebuild their cities, including in Judea and Samaria, by the way. That's Ezekiel 36, as you well know. This is all happening, so whether the Palestinians can accept that or not, it's happened, and it will continue to happen. And by the way, Jimmy, uh, Abbas uh, flew to Jordan this week also to meet in an unannounced meeting with King Abdullah to discuss the peace process and all of that. The two men reiterated a two-state solution would be uh, the best one. So um, Abbas talks about destroying Israel, but he's up against a pretty big wall there. And that was a key conversation between those two, was it not? Jordan's King Abdullah very much concerned what happens with the Palestinians there in Israel, isn't he? Well, and Jimmy, the Jordanians have always, the Hashemite government, King Hussein, the late uh, father of King Abdullah, and his father before him have always been moderating forces on the Palestinians and on other Arabs in the region. They've always had a pro-West view, very close to Britain historically, and these sorts of things. So the Israelis are glad Jordan's there. And in fact, Naftali Bennett, the prime minister, has just announced that Israel will be selling Jordan 50 million cubic meters of water uh, over the next year, the 1994 peace treaty called for Israel to supply Jordan with water, but the droughts have been so bad many of those years that they haven't done so. Thankfully, this past winter was an ample one. The Sea of Galilee is nearly full, and so the Israelis are going ahead with that sale to Jordan. And, of course, they're hosting in Jordan over a million Syrian refugees still, Jimmy, and they desperately need water. It's such a dry situation. So that will help to strengthen ties between Jordan and Israel, which, as we've talked about over the past few months, have been strained at times. And at the same time, with the Mahmoud Abbas meeting with President Rivlin and King Abdullah of Jordan, the Palestinian people protesting against Mahmoud Abbas. What are those protests all about? Well, Jimmy, a well-known civil rights, I guess you could say, advocate, Palestinian advocate, was killed. And the feeling is that Abbas and the Palestinian Authority were connected to that. Uh, he was very, very critical of the Abbas regime and said that they're very corrupt. And he was well-known for pointing all of that out. And his death has upset many Palestinians, and they've been uh, protesting, like you said, in various uh, towns and cities in Judea and Samaria, mainly not so much in the Gaza Strip, but there were some down there as well. Uh, of course, the Abbas government does not rule the Gaza Strip. That's under Hamas's control. And by the way, Jimmy, they started again on Thursday sending these incendiary balloons across the Gaza border into Israel. But Thursday night, the IDF uh, struck again at Hamas targets in the Gaza Strip, and said it was uh, in retaliation for those balloons. So the new Bennett government, once again, is proving a, to take a tougher stand than the previous Netanyahu government did on these balloons that are starting fires and that have killed several Israelis and a couple Thai workers. So they are um, taking it very, very seriously. But the Palestinians is, in fact, a lot of corruption 
that charge is not false in their government. There's a lot of money that just disappears. The accountability is very, very low, and many Palestinians are aware of that and not very happy about it. We've only got about 20 seconds left, David. Talk to me about Naftali Bennett. He's the prime minister wanting to advance the Abraham Accords and bring more Arab countries into that relationship. And I think he has a pretty good chance of doing that, Jimmy. It's a broader government. It, after all, has an Arab party in it. So their appeal to the other Arab countries to join the Abraham Accords that four Arab countries have joined is pretty strong, and we'll hope that he can succeed in that, even though the Biden administration is a little less pushing that than the Trump administration did before it. I'll talk more about that when I take a look at the book because there needs to be a peace treaty in place for Bible prophecy to move into the future. David Dolan, the man who covers the Middle East for us, excellent report, his Middle East news update on a weekly basis. David, thank you. We'll talk again next week. You're welcome, Jimmy. God bless. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, John Rood standing by. He has his European Union update for us. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Have you ever wanted to know more about God's plan for the future? Have you ever tried to understand prophetic passages in God's Word, like, say, the book of Revelation, and been frustrated at not being able to figure it out? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest CD series, Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, will help you gain the ability to understand where to start in your study of prophecy and allow you to read God's Word in a new and exciting way. Understanding God's prophetic Word will allow you to live a pure and productive life until Jesus returns for the church. Keys will help you gain the tools you need to understand the end-time events as foretold in God's Word. Dr. DeYoung lays out a systematic approach to Bible prophecy for those who want to know God's plan for the future. Tracks included are A Roadmap Through the End Times, The Jew in Jerusalem, Daniel and the Antichrist, Ezekiel and Messiah's Temple, and Revelation and Babylon. To order your copy of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central, Chattanooga, Tennessee. We move into our second half hour. John Rood standing by. He's going to give us his European Union update. This is a special edition of Prophecy Today weekend, July 4th. Happy Birthday, America, 245 years old. And, John, we're going to you to discuss the European Union, some of their activities. I know that for over 30 years you were in Brussels, Belgium. That's where you lived, and from there learned all you know about the European Union. But really, it was because of what happened in the European area that America came into existence. Quite an interesting background, wasn't it? Yes, happy birthday to America, 245 years. And America was built on incredible principles that people really should take a uh, serious study. And, Jimmy, you've done that. I've seen your video on the Christian basis of the formation of America. It's a wonderful thing. Everyone needs to be aware. Well, thank you, John. Let me just tell everybody, since you mentioned it, I didn't necessarily ask you to do that, but I'm proud you did. It's entitled, Is America in Bible Prophecy? Is the USA in Bible Prophecy? 
and we begin with a Civics 101 course in Plymouth, Massachusetts, where the pilgrims came out of Europe, and they established America on biblical principles of government. Well, thank you, John, for that promotion for the DVD documentary. Well, talk to me about the European Union. Uh, They are really concerned about the man who is going to be the temporary president of the European Union. I think each country, each member state has that opportunity, what, for a month or a year? How long will the Slovenia president be in charge? Yes, what they do is there is a six-month rotating presidency of the EU Council. So it's all quite fragmented. It's hard to say who actually is the leader, but that's one of the things they want to straighten out and make that more clear. But the six-month presidency, uh, Portugal is going out, Slovenia is coming in, and there's quite a bit of concern because Slovenia is close with Hungarian leader Viktor Orban, who's stirring up some things for Brussels these days, mismanaging the pandemic. So Eastern Europe is actually... Uh, by Brussels being called on as adhering to some what they call non-democratic standards, Hungary, Poland, Slovenia. It's quite ironic because, uh, indeed, how how democratic is the European Union itself? That's a whole other study. It's basically all unelected officials except the figurehead parliament. John, in the last couple of weeks, we've uh, talked about uh, the situation there in the Black Sea. Vladimir Putin, speaking out this week, he said even if Russia had sunk that British warship, it could not have sparked World War III because the United States and the U.K. know that they cannot win in a conflict with Russia. Your comments. What to say? You know, President Putin has sort of a call-in show, and uh, he's sounding off. Yes, there are people that listen and understand Russian, What a statement to say if Moscow had sunk this ship, which by their estimation uh, said was in violation of Russian territorial waters. But really, according to London, they don't recognize that Russia has any jurisdiction over the territorial waters of Ukraine. They don't recognize Crimea as part of Russia. So uh, very strong language again. Putin said the provocateur, the provocators would not be able to win. It's it's really sounding off. It certainly is very braggadocious. By the way, European Union, infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire, and Russia, the Magog of Ezekiel 38, two major players in the end-time scenario. Well, we've talked about anti-Semitism in the European Union. UK is not actually still in the European Union, But Jews living there say they are under assault. What is the latest on that? Record numbers of anti-Semitic incidents in the month, just May to June. 460 incidents were reported, anti-Semitic incidents, in the United Kingdom. And this coincides with uh, last month's rocket attack uh, on Israel by the Hamas terrorists. Again, here's another irony, is that in this year that's so defined by solidarity against racism, it's extraordinary how little support there is for the Jews of Britain. Uh, This is a quote from the campaign against anti-Semitism. Well, this is a part of that end-time scenario as well. 
And that's the main reason we bring John Rood to this broadcast table, helping us to understand what the European Union and its member states are doing in preparation for the prophetic scenario found in God's Word. John, thank you so very much for the report. We'll talk to you again next week. Uh, My pleasure, and another shout-out for Happy Birthday to America. Well, it's always a great and important conversation when I'm able to get Dr. Don DeYoung to the broadcast table. He's going to join us today. We're going to be talking about the Vatican, who looks like they are rejecting the creation account there in Genesis chapter 1. Don, thank you for being available, buddy. This is of much concern to me. I'm thankful that you can be there to answer some questions for me. Yes, Jimmy, glad to join you. The Vatican Observatory Research Group, Don, has launched a website for the Vatican to actually show that the church and science can coexist. However, as I mentioned, it has come very close to rejecting the Genesis account of the creation. They say, for example, that evolution is no longer a mere theory. We always referred to the evolutionary theory. Is that the case? Is it law now? Is it absolute, or is it still a theory? Well, it is interesting, Jimmy, that the Vatican does have an observatory. They've had it for over 100 years. It's really mostly uh, public relations to reach out to the science world. And from time to time, they do uh, promote this whole idea of um, theistic evolution. And that's the latest idea from the Pope, just to reinforce that. And uh, there's nothing new there, but of course there are dangers. By uh, accepting this whole area of theistic evolution, the idea that God created by using the whole evolutionary story, it's really an attempt to appeal to the science world and perhaps to stop some of the losses of uh, Catholic Church membership. Theistic evolution accepts several things, Jimmy. It accepts the Big Bang Theory a billion-year time frame for Earth history. Theistic evolution accepts the whole evolutionary story, including the animal ancestry of, of people. And so it's an interesting area, but it places far too much trust in modern science, which continues to change. And I would say that it also places far too little trust in Scripture, which spells out very clearly the recent supernatural creation And this is key for Christians to understand. About a quarter of the worth is of the Catholic religion. And so it's not only very important to help Catholics understand what the Vatican is saying, but the rest of Christianity and actual Christianity as well. They also go after intelligent design. Uh, Don, tell us what ID is, intelligent design, And is it a part of the creative act? Just give us some details. I believe it's a positive idea. The intelligent design movement, actually, by by Christian scholarship, is the uh, idea that we find objects, we find uh, parts of nature, parts of creation, that are so complex, so interrelated, that they just cannot form by chance. Even if you had unlimited time, if you had trillions of years, it's still not going to happen. We are surrounded by uh, such examples 
in our own bodies, even the human eye, which has optics, which has a camera system far beyond anything we can design or even imagine. And so there's certainly truth to intelligent design. But again, um, the Catholic Church has gone after that because it touches on the, on the supernatural, that uh, there are things that are beyond science. And again, uh, it seems like the Catholic Church is so much trying to buy into modern science. They don't want to offend anyone. There's another complication here, Jimmy, I might mention. Uh, this word evolution is so confusing to people because it just means change. And you know, things do change in nature, different kinds of corn or seed. But these changes are always limited. We would call them micro-changes. Evolution, really the whole story involves macro-changes, large-scale changes, and that's what we don't see. I don't even like to use the word evolution. I would prefer the idea of limited variation within the created kinds that God put in place. Well, that's a great thought. They also bring in the fact that if Jesus Christ, Colossians 1.16, says he created everything, if he did it, why did not he do it instantaneously? Why did it take him six days? Can you explain that? Well, that's an interesting thought, and certainly the Lord could have created everything in a nanosecond, or he could have spread it out over trillions of years and still been in the process I would suggest, Jimmy, that the whole creation week was much like this week that we have going by with 24-hour literal days. And I think there's a reason for that. It's a model for us. It's an example. Actually, it's where we got our calendar from. The seven-day week that we all live by, it just, uh, it's just always been there. There's nothing in the sky with a seven-day cycle. The planets don't do that. The moon I believe that our calendar on the wall is a witness to the literal creation week, and it's just part of our makeup. You know, uh, Jimmy, over the centuries, some cultures have even tried to change the length of a week. France tried a 10-day week. Russia tried a 5-day week. They don't work. Total confusion results. It's just part of our makeup, this 7-day cycle, the way God made us and the way he set up the time And I think the Creation Week was set up as a model for us. Don, you're a scientist yourself, an astronomer. As Christians, do we have to accept creation by faith, or can science and creation actually work in tandem together? Well, there's certainly no necessary conflict there at all. Uh, Certainly faith, things not seen, is a cornerstone of our belief. But, you know, this faith does have evidence to, to, to back it up. We see it on all sides. As uh, Romans one twenty says, there's no excuse for even missing this evidence. So uh, certainly there is um, faith involved. It's the supernatural. It's beyond what science can offer when it comes to origins and miracles. But that's, that's just part of the joy. It's part of the uh, refreshing belief in biblical creation that we enjoy. Don, uh, you love the Lord. You're a scientist. You travel the world speaking, actually, on these issues. Why is it important for Christians to reject, basically, evolution and believe creation account found there in Genesis 1? Well, you know, Jimmy, uh, uh, Satan is very good at counterfeits. He counterfeits astronomy with astrology and perhaps contradicts, you know, uh, salvation by grace with good works. And likewise, I think he confuses biblical creation by this whole 
of theory of biological evolution. It's a great theory. It's very convincing to people who go that way. But there's uh, this wonderful alternative of uh, biblical creation, and uh, its whole, you know, it's the foundation uh, of, of Scripture, it's the book of Genesis. It's where it begins, and Christ himself refers to the creation story. And so it's, it's the beginning point that lays the foundation for everything else in our hope and our joy. I love what you just said, evolutionary theory. You called it a theory, praise the Lord, and God's Word is absolute. Creation did take place in six days, and the seventh day he rested, Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Don, thank you for this very important conversation. You're going to help the body of Christ have a better understanding of what is being propagated out there, but it's so key that we continue to go back to the Word of God. Appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much, my good friend. Thank you, Jimmy. Well, right now, I'm going to bring to this broadcast table Colonel Bob McGinnis, a man who has been involved in broadcast with us here on Prophecy Today for a number of years. He works at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., works with strategic planning there at the headquarters for the U.S. military, but he's also the author of a number of books. His latest book, Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism. I'm going to talk to Bob about that book in just a moment, but first, Bob, we received word this week that Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld has passed away Now, I call him Secretary of Defense. He has a number of titles over his history of service to the United States there in Washington. But I would imagine the last would be Secretary of Defense. And I know that you knew him personally. Talk to us about Don Rumsfeld just for a moment. Well, Jimmy, uh, Mr. Rumsfeld was a longtime power broker, obviously uh, an American statesman, uh, a naval pilot. Uh, worked on the Hill, became a congressman from the state of Illinois, and then eventually became President Nixon's ambassador to NATO there in Brussels. Uh, He returned after that to help uh, President Ford as temporarily as the chief of staff there at the White House, and then uh, President Ford made him the 13th Secretary of Defense. Now, it wasn't until, though, in 2001, in January of that year, that President Bush selected Mr. Rumsfeld to serve the second time uh, as Secretary of uh, Defense at the Pentagon. So he has a unique background of having done that. Of course, he'll be known for being the Secretary of Defense at the time of the Iraq War and the Afghanistan War, which, of course, uh, we're winding down now. And there'll be a host of people that will criticize him as well as praise him. So he has a very colorful background. I always got along with him many times with him and his staff as we prepared to launch into Iraq. And then, of course, I even visited in his own personal office and heard some of the stories about him and his father. So there is some grieving, obviously, amongst those of us that have known him or knew him for, for many years. Well, I can only say I knew him from afar, uh, but he did serve the United States of America, it seems, very honorably for a number of years. Well, let's get back to your book now, Bob. It's entitled, Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism. Now, in the book, you say that we are entering an unprecedented time of danger. What do you mean by that, Bob? 
Well, and I think most Americans would agree that the last few years have been uh, incredibly disruptive in our lives and uh, anxiety-creating. Many of us are wondering if this, these are the last times. But as I look at this new administration, and I was written specifically for that reason, is that given the current state of the Biden administration's makeup, its cancellation of you know, more than 50 of the executive orders launched by Mr. Trump, uh, Mr. Biden's questionable state of mental health, and, of course, the saber-rattling we see from China to Russia, North Korea, Iran, and so forth. Now, I just think we're entering a, a unprecedented time of danger militarily, economically, morally, and politically uh, that could result in a possible chaotic state uh, in the not-so-distant future. And so that's mostly why I wrote the book, and I think uh, very few Americans certainly of, of my generation will have appreciated what the Cold War and the anti-communist push was all about. But these younger people uh, are not being taught in the schools. And as a result, they don't know what communism and Marxism is all about. And so um, it's really an effort to educate the, the population and also to be a very clear warning sign that you know, very dangerous things are at our footsteps. Well, Bob, take a moment now and briefly tell us what is Marxism, how popular it has become here in the United States, and how it does differ from capitalism. Capitalism, of course, as Winston Churchill once said, is the worst way to set up a society except for all the others. And I understand that because, as he said, free markets allow for more innovative solutions and therefore people can succeed. The American dream is built on that economic system. Unfortunately, people that are enamored, I would argue naively, about Marxism don't understand it's a political philosophy about class struggle that basically says we're going to have a redistribution of wealth. We're going to take wealth away from everyone else so that we can kind of flatten the wealth curve around the world. It argues that that inequality exists because of capitalism, and therefore you have to eliminate capitalism and replace it through social revolution and create a classless society that, where there's no private property whatsoever and that you know, every citizen is contributing equally to the good of the entire nation. Now, that's a political philosophy, but the reality, the characteristics, Jimmy, are number one, without a doubt, the abolition of all religion. They want to make Marxism the true religion of the people. Government is the conduit by which they do that. Uh, and they argue about something called the dialectical materialism. Really what that means is naturalism, and even more simply, it means there aren't any spiritual dimensions whatsoever in this life that we live on the earth. And then, of course, they, they make advances about Marxist ethics, which basically says anything that doesn't help the working class, what they call the proletariat, is thrown to the side. And then they have their own you know, Marxist psychology, which says that all human beings are a byproduct of their genetics and the human influences around them, and that's all. And, of course, they advance a one-world government, and then, of course, they say that economics is going to dictate all the legal, the social, and the political institutions within society. So when you juxtapose capitalism, which I, I see the precepts and the principles in Scripture, uh, and then you 
compare it with Marxism, Marxism has nothing to do whatsoever with God. In fact, you could actually argue that Marxism has become a religion, and you could make parallels, quite interestingly, with Christianity in terms of history and so forth. It, it is, it's a stark history, and it's a sobering history, but it's a reality, something that I go into and give me liberty, not Marxism, and I think the reader will thoroughly be informed and somewhat uh, concerned about where we're going. Bob, you mentioned a one-world government. Is Marxism being used to encourage a global one-world government, and would the Chinese Communist Party be involved in that? Uh, there's no doubt about that in my mind. I argue about the American Cultural Revolution that's taking place, and I have eight players, and those eight players are co-conspirators, one of which is the Communist Chinese. And I think they're intended to inherit, basically, the mantle of power, given that. Now, what they do is interesting. The Chinese communists are using a variety of strategies around the world. They use the UN's Agenda 2030. They use something called leverage. Arguably, COVID-19 is a point of leverage in which they manipulate the world. They also use the idea of global citizenship. They promote regional governments such as the European Union, and there are many, many others out there that they're, they're using Belt and Road Initiative to leverage those regional governments into a one-world government. Bob, I have read many of your books. I have personally these books in my library. And I know from a Christian perspective, which you are, of course, you always have a practical aspect in all of the books. So let me ask this final question of you. What can Christians do to prepare for a potential Marxist future? Well, I want them to know that we've seen this movie before, Jimmy. Post-World War I, of course, you know, there was the rise of Adolf Hitler, uh, he went in and took over with one political party, doing away with all others. He established the Gestapo to enforce his rules, and then he declared a thousand-year Reich, uh, and then that led to World War II. Now, you know, for the Christian today, we need to be quite aware. First, I would say there are practical things to do. Uh, I, I'm a full believer in the Second Amendment. I also believe in having sufficient supplies at home, you know, it's not necessarily COVID-19, you know, shutdowns, but we need to take care of our, our physical needs, and we need to prepare for the, the worst. And the worst can often be that, you know, we are challenged to spiritually uh, to, you know, face up, you know, something akin to what uh, Daniel, you know, faced when he was taken captive in, by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. And in spite of the persecution and, you know, being torn away from his heart, his homeland, he would turn to Jerusalem and daily pray. You know, he was a man faithful to God. We have to, without compromising, you know, be faithful uh, to our calling as Christians. And we also, I think, uh, apply Romans 13. When I apply Romans 13 as I look at the Greek, government, when it disagrees with God's commands, I have but one alternative, and that is to obey God. Sometimes what government tells me to do uh, is contrary to what God's told me to do. And I have to be willing, as you know, such as some pastors in Canada and elsewhere in the world uh, have said, no, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do because my God told me to do something different. And then finally, I think we have to be truth-tellers. In this world that we live today, 
uh, we are being lied to left and right on a host of things, even by, I would argue, by our government. And so we have to figure out what the uncompromising truth is, and we have to declare it to our family, to our neighbors, to our communities, as loud as we can and as consistent as we can. And so sort of the formula that I've come up with, Jimmy, given what we're facing in this country today, I believe that uh, liberty and our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is threatened uh, by the likes of these Marxists who, as Alexander Solzhenitsyn wisely said in, in 1986, that the core, the very root, the fulcrum of uh, Marxism is the destruction of Christianity. Uh, and he was a man not only who had experienced firsthand, uh, but he knew the, the lapse of time, uh, how centuries have demonstrated that truth. And so we face that today. You know, Christians have got to you know, be truth-tellers, consistent in their faith, uh, and at the same time understand government does have a role, but when government you know, gets out of line with what God has told us, we have to obey uh, God. And I think that that's pretty clear. And that's the voice of Colonel Bob McGinnis. Works at the Pentagon, but he's also an author of many books. His latest book, Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism. Bob, thank you so very much for giving us a moment to introduce this book. It's available at Amazon.com. In fact, any and every place you can buy a book, it will be there. So make sure you go out and get your copy. Great book, Bob. Thank you so much. But thank you for this interview as well. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jimmy. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we have one more broadcast partner, David James. We're going to be talking about the Bible. And do some people worship the Bible? Should they do that? It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. I'm at the same location I was in the last half hour. It's Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you'll give me this half hour, you'll have 90 minutes of information from my broadcast partners, helping us to understand how current events are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Be sure to answer my poll question. It's on my home page, prophecytoday.com. Here's the question. On America's 245th birthday, do you believe that the demise of America may be close since America is not mentioned in Bible prophecy? That's my poll question. And again, let me ask you to pray for our ministry. We need your prayer support, but also please prayerfully consider giving us some financial support at this time. It would be very important as we continue this ministry. We now bring David James to this broadcast table. And let me begin this way. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear David. Happy birthday to you. Now, I only do that for my friends, David. And happy birthday. Number what? 65, 66? Where are you? Oh, come on, Jimmy. It's only 63. <laughs> you young whippersnapper, you. Well, at least you're not as old as America is, 245 years old. 
this special edition of Prophecy Today. Happy Birthday, America. I know it's the third, but indeed the fourth, that big celebration. You lived many, many years there in Hungary. Do they have, and I've heard people ask when I was in foreign lands for a long time, do they have a July 4th there? Did they have that one in Hungary? Well, Jimmy, my answer to that one was always, well, yeah, they have a July 3rd and a July 5th as well. But uh, Americans sometimes uh, are a little bit myopic and don't realize that uh, Independence Day is unique to this country. And indeed, I'm sure that you considered America your home country, even while in Hungary, right? That's absolutely true. I'm a red-blooded American, uh, and yet, wherever you are as a missionary, you also have to make that your home as well. Yes, that is correct. Well, David, this week, our listener email is once again about the end times, and is actually about the word rapture and the timing of catching away of the church as it relates to the coming tribulation. Talk to us about this email. Well, here's what our listener wrote. The term rapture is historically new and cannot be translated as catching up, as would be assumed, so it can't be claimed to be biblical to any extent. He then cites uh, edamaonline.com, which defines rapture circa 1600 as the act of carrying off as prey or plunder from the French term rapture, and from the medieval Latin raptura, meaning seizure, rape, kidnapping, a carrying off, abduction, snatching away, rape, and the earliest attested use in English is with women as objects, and it sometimes meant rape. Then he goes on to say, the quote-unquote catching up as mentioned in Scripture occurs at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, just as Jesus is preparing to ride into battle upon the clouds, believing it happens using the unfortunate adopted term rape, anywhere else is an attempt to make it seem the followers of Christ will not have to suffer as Christ himself did. So, unfortunately, Jimmy, this is the kind of argument that we often hear against the pre-trib rapture of the Church. Now, a word means what it means when it's used, not when it meant in the past, because words evolve, and today rapture means either ecstasy or the catching away of the Church. And our listener even says that it can mean snatching away. And also, Rapture comes into the English from the Latin translation of the Greek word harpazo, which does mean to be snatched away or caught up. So it's incorrect to say that rapture isn't biblical. It is, and we're not using the term rape. That's a very misguided accusation. And finally, believers have suffered as Jesus did throughout history to this day, but the source of that suffering is what's different about the tribulation, because that comes from God's wrath, which the Church won't experience. Great answer to the question, and good for our people that are listening to understand that approach. They may want to go back and re-listen to your answer again. Go to my website, prophecytoday.com. Go to Prophecy Today Radio Network, and there you will find David's answer archived. Well, David, you recently sent me an article from Answers in Genesis website that was written some time ago, but it is still very important. And it was about the question of whether holding the Bible in high regard amounts to idolatry. 
Well, Jimmy, that's a relevant and very important question. And, of course, we rely heavily on the Bible, either directly or indirectly, in our discussions every week. And the title of that Answers in Genesis article is Idolatry of the Bible, and this was the opening paragraph. It is becoming increasingly common to accuse those who hold the inerrancy and infallibility of God's Word of committing the sin of bibliolatry, otherwise known as idolatry of the Bible. And the author continued by saying, Bibliolatry is defined as excessive reverence for the Bible as literally interpreted. Those who accept God's clear words in Genesis as true history are often accused of worshiping the Bible and exalting it above Christ himself. So, Jimmy, Dictionary.com, which is based on the Random House Unabridged Dictionary, defines bibliolatry as an excessive reverence for the Bible, and that's where that definition comes from, and an excessive reverence for the Bible is literally interpreted. And the online etymology dictionary places its first use in 1847 as a coined word, meaning worship of the Bible. So the term has been around for a while, and it's never used in a positive way. It's an attack against those with a high view of the Bible, and those of us who believe it's without error and should be taken literally. And then later on in the week, David, you sent me another article from the Cincinnati Inquirer that actually takes on creationism as a part of an attack by several authors against what they believe is the sin of bibliolatry. Well, it's interesting, Jimmy, the answers in Genesis with the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter is just across the Ohio River from Cincinnati in Kentucky, and this was posted right after the Ken Ham-Bill Nye debate back in 2014. So that's the context. And even though that was seven years ago, the issues and arguments really haven't changed much. Uh, The opinion piece is titled, Bible Over God, A Sin of Bibliolatry, and the first writer says this, I want to respond as a religious man, a Christian who does not believe that Genesis records literal history, who believes that evolution is the best and only rational explanation of the diverse world of creation, and who believes that the Bible should be taken very seriously, but not literally. And then he went on to say, my main objection to creationism and the insistence on a literal reading of the Bible generally is that it ultimately damages and even destroys faith. And then finally he says, in my view, some fundamentalist Christians have elevated the Bible over God, a sin I call bibliolatry. And then another author of the article had this to say, there is no physical proof of the creationism story and good fossil records to support evolution are sorely lacking. So the conventional wisdom of the Bible is that God uses a magic wand of source to create a vast universe, part waters, perform miraculous healings, etc. Well, what if there were a more technical explanation? So, Jimmy, it's not just an attack on holding the Bible in high regard. For many, it's dismissing the supernatural altogether. David, before we get to the charge of bibliolatry itself, I want to talk about the accusation that a literal understanding of the Bible ultimately destroys faith, especially when it comes to the matters of science. Jimmy, really, that's a foolish perspective, and it's sort of a conversation stopper because it dismisses the possibility of even discussing the issues because those who take the Bible literally are looked down on as being idiots, to be honest. And that Inquirer post came out in February of 2014, but an article on LiveScience.com from June of that 
same year had the title, Four in Ten Americans Believe God Created the Earth 10,000 Years Ago, and that was based upon a Gallup poll. And while it's true that the majority of scientists and even theologians don't accept young earth creationism or a literal understanding of the Bible in general, many do. You know, I'm not bragging, but I graduated from a top uh, undergrad math, science, and engineering school in 1980. And when I was saved in 1984 at the age of 26, within days, I went from being an evolutionist to being a creationist who took Genesis literally. And you and I both know some of the most brilliant men and women in the world who not only take the Bible seriously, as that one author said, but they do take it literally. And there are scientists who hold to a recent creation, such as Danny Faulkner, who has a master's in physics from Clemson and a master's and Ph.D. in astronomy from Indiana University, or Dr. Andrew Snelling, who holds a Ph.D. in geology from the University of Sydney, Australia, and serves as director of research answers in Genesis. And we both knew the late John Wickham, who wrote the Genesis flood back in the 60s, and I could go on and on. David, let's move from the accusation of bibliolatry against those who take the Bible seriously and also at the same time use a literal, grammatical, historical method of interpretation. Is that a legitimate charge that they're making? Well, of course it's not a legitimate charge, Jimmy. And not only is it not legitimate, it's actually dishonest when those who claim to be Christian level that accusation So it's not whether most take the Bible literally or not, it's about which parts they choose to take literally. For anyone to claim to be a Christian, that term itself comes from the Bible. In Acts, where Luke tells us that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch, and no one accuses anyone of worshiping the Bible just for using the term Christian. And those who claim to be followers of Christ, how do they know about Him? Because while there are extra-biblical sources, the majority of what's known about Christ comes from the Bible. Bible, but that doesn't equate to worship. And I would dare say that most who say they're Christians do believe in the resurrection and miracles, but how are those scientific since they don't happen often and and they involve the temporary local suspension of the laws of physics? Now, some who identify as Christians do deny the resurrection and other miracles while saying they just follow Christ's teachings about love and his example, but how do they have any idea what those are? Are they worshiping the Bible? So it's entirely a matter of picking and choosing for those making the accusation while we really do try to be consistent. Yes, and exactly right. That's our main terminology to use there, consistency. Well, David, as we wrap it up for today, how would you summarize your response to someone who accused you of worshiping the Bible because you take it too seriously and too literally. Well, Jimmy, if someone is being accused by an unbeliever who doesn't even claim to be a Christian, the starting place is not trying to argue with them about it, but rather it's sharing the gospel. You know, I was saved 37 years ago as a result of a co-worker telling me that there were things about the Bible that I just wouldn't understand until I got saved, which is a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 2.14, which says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And as soon as I was saved, I started taking the Bible literally. And on the other hand, my wife grew up in a denomination that didn't believe the Bible to be literally true, and when she started to read the Bible for herself shortly after I was saved, 
she came to the conclusion that she couldn't just pick and choose what she believed to be true from the Bible, and she realized that if she believed there was a Jesus who taught about both heaven and hell, that she really needed to believe in both to be consistent, and as a result, she realized she needed to be saved and take the Bible literally. So, Jimmy, the bottom line is that if the Bible is the Word of God and not just a human book, then it isn't bibliolatry to believe everything it says on every subject it addresses. It's just a combination of faith and common sense. You know, in that answer, it reminded me of the phrase I often have heard, how do you defend the Bible? And I come back with the same way you defend a lion. If he's in a cage, open the cage, let him out, he'll defend himself. And that's exactly what the Word of God does. Great, great conversation, David, on this particular issue. And folks, you may want to go re-listen to it. Go again to my website, prophecytoday.com, Prophecy Today Radio Network. There, this conversation is archived. David, thank you for your research and being available to have this conversation with me on a weekly basis. We'll do it again next week. Glad to do it, Jimmy. I'll look forward to that. And by the way, happy birthday, buddy. We're going to have to take a break. And when I come back, I'll open the Bible. We'll look at what our broadcast partners had to say as we take a look at the book. All ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. On Prophecy Today weekend, we had a special edition of Prophecy Today, America at 245. Happy birthday, America. 
On my DVD documentary, I begin the video with a civics lesson 101. We go to Plymouth Rock in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and Paul Blair, former NFL football player, comes to give us a tour through the colonial Northeast as America was coming into existence. Paul rehearsed how a group of Christians, led by William Bradford, came with about 50 European Christians to this new land called America. When they arrived, they followed biblical principles in the establishment of a representative republic in this new land. You know, often political leaders refer to America as a democracy. My dear friend, that is not a correct statement. In fact, when you think about it, the word democracy is never found in the Constitution. America was founded on biblical principles of God's Word beginning there in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. That's where the Lord brought this institution of human government into existence. I begin a look at the book today because Revelation chapter 17 and verse 17 says that God uses human political leaders to make political decisions that ultimately will fulfill God's will for the end times. A perfect example of that is found in the reports from my broadcast partners today here on Prophecy Today weekend. Ken Timmerman, who covers the geopolitical events happening in our world, brought to our attention the 100th anniversary of the Communist Party in China. Now, China will be a major player in the end times. You can go to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12. China would be a part of those kings of the East that will join with the Antichrist and try to stop Jesus Christ returning back to the earth as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is found in Revelation chapter 16, verses 13 to 16. David Dolan's Middle East News Update, a must-report for any and all who are students of Bible prophecy, brought to our attention that the Muslim Brotherhood is a part and ingrained in the Israeli government. The Muslim Brotherhood, established back in the 1920s in Egypt, has spawned many of the Palestinian terror organizations. One of the most famous would be Hamas. They were the military arm of the Muslim Brotherhood before they moved to the Gaza Strip. The Israeli coalition government today has four members, four Arab members of a Arab political party, a part of the coalition that has brought the present-day government into existence. As members of the Muslim Brotherhood, they are dedicated to the goals of Hamas, and those goals would be to destroy the Jewish state of Israel and establish the state, the Palestinian state of Palestine. 
with the Muslim Brotherhood and the Israeli government. It's going to be difficult to lead the government into the future, and all of Israel's enemies are watching very closely. A European Union update is a must each and every week here on Prophecy Today because the European Union, I believe, is at least the political infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. John Rood comes each and every week to give us his European Union update, having lived in Brussels, Belgium, the headquarters for the European Union. John knows of what he speaks and he understands Bible prophecy as well. Dr. Don DeYoung, one of my favorite broadcast partners, who is an astronomer, a scientist, came to refute the Vatican, who is saying that evolution is an absolute now. Well, that is not correct. It's the evolutionary theory, not an absolute law. The six-day creation recorded in Genesis chapter 1 is God's record of how he brought our world into existence. And Don spoke factually to the information that we needed to understand that is the case, and the Vatican is incorrect. We had Colonel Bob McGinnis come to the broadcast table. Colonel McGinnis works at the Pentagon. He works in the area of strategic planning. He has a number of books, and he has a brand new one out now. It's entitled, Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism. I would recommend that you get a copy of the book. We had a conversation with Bob talking to us with a definition of Marxism, how it is basically a religion, and how it could bring about the demise of America. You need to go to any of the bookstores to get a copy of Bob's new book, Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism. And then I concluded my conversations with my broadcast partners by bringing David James to the broadcast table. We talked about the Bible, the infallible, inerrant Word of God, and we said that that is not bibliolatry. You love the Word of God, you love Jesus Christ, because the Bible says in John 1, Jesus is the Word of God. And as they listen to these reports, they'll recognize that on today's special edition of Prophecy Today, we looked at America. You know, it seems our leaders are leading this nation into a time that is described as the tribulation period, and they're doing that with each and every political decision that they make. Remember the rapture the catching away of Christians into the heavens does happen before the tribulation period. And actually, that rapture can happen at any moment. And having made that statement, there's nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Mm-hmm.